You are now entering the Brightness. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello. Hello. You're on the Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, your weekly comedy about tragedy. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm your other co-host, Jason T. And we're back to you being weird with your name. I love it. My name is weird and wonderful. Your name isn't weird. Your name is very sturdy. It's a very good name. Oh, thank you. What's the T for again? Uh, Terry. I know. I love it. (laughs) Oh. I had to think. I had a moment. You did? I, had, I was oh. like, oh, no. I have to do that every time I'm asked how old I am. Me too. I'm <laughs> like, wait, nope, nope, I was that age 10 years ago. <laughs> well, you'll appreciate this. I now just turn to Matt and go, age. <laughs> and then he tells me what my age is. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, I am. <laughs> I do that without you telling me to do it. Yeah. Uh, so how's it going? Good. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. We're at your house again, as yeah. usual. There's which still is looking uh, good. It's all spooky and Halloweeny. Yeah. There's one week till our production begins. Is Ooh, that right? It's gonna be good. You are. Uh, are we you feeling are. stressed? Are you feeling down yeah, to the wire? I, pre-production stuff. Yeah, I think the biggest stress at this point, and Matt actually really helped me out with this. Mm-hmm. We d- made a list of things that I need to do. Okay. And then we made a list of other things that can happen that he can do. Okay. And that's hard for me because I don't like delegating to other people. I know. Because I'm very hands-on. Well, the secret to doing the best work possible is to really dig in right. and avoid group projects. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's also noting who's strong at what. Yeah. For example, like... I know. I'm mostly oh, kidding. Okay. <laughs> Let me mansplain you how yeah, group please, projects work. Please, tell me. <laughs> no, exactly that's not how delegation how it works. works. Delegation works because... No, um, Here, let me get my friend to explain this to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's delegating the delegate this. Yeah. <laughs> let me call my husband. He'll tell you. Well, I'm, I'm really excited that the production is going to start. But speaking of movies that we're in together... Uh, we can say that uh, Analysis Paralysis, which had a wonderful run in uh, Palm Springs, yes, has closed in Palm Springs. Thank you for the extension. We got extended yeah, we for got a week. Extended, uh, and we went through that extension. It was wonderful, and uh, that w- that concludes that period of that uh, that that movie's distribution. However, if you talk to them and say we really miss it, <laughs> maybe they'll bring it back. Sure, but you know. For whatever, it, it was great. It was really oh, it was, great to have that. It was humbling and amazing. And honestly, if you had told me when I was a kid that a movie I wrote and mm-hmm. directed and started was gonna, well, yeah, <laughs> but it was gonna play in a theater, I would have laughed at you. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool to be like, well, it just happened. Yeah. Jason, so congratulations to you. Thanks to the Palm Springs Cultural Center for hosting us as well for yes. three weeks. Uh, it was a wonderful time. Yeah, and also. If you guys haven't heard it yet, uh, we went on Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction podcast. That's right. To talk about our run at the Palm Springs uh, Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should check them out. They're a great podcast. They're a great couple of guys. They're, they're husbands. Mm-hmm. And they're just wonderful people. And you should check them out and give them a listen. Give them a five-star rating. That's the, the Big stuff. Gay Fiction podcast. And yeah. you can hear a, a, 
interview with Jason and me. Yeah. On it, and then we were and we're. We're Probably coming back. do another one. Yeah. Uh, talking about the uh, Out of Body, the movie we're about to film. Exactly. So, so what else is going on with you? It's amazing everything you're doing for pre-production. You are just covering every aspect of production. Yeah. Ahead of time. And that's amazing. There's some cool shots that you're going to be doing that I got to play uh, you Every as. shot I'm in is a pretty cool shot. <laughs> There's one, though, in particular where the door gets opened and you're going to be there in a special way, and it's going to be really naked. fun. I'm naked. No, this, you're not naked in this I'm shot. I'm in the Burt Reynolds playgirl pose. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, that would, I need to write something where that happens at some point for <laughs> a character, because that I didn't even remember that until just now, and well, it's such a fun pose. You're welcome. I'm here to inspire you. And if you do it, here with... I'll do it for you right now. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that was so fast. <laughs> do you have your the clothing and like uh, quick change? It's all already? everything I wear is ripoff. <laughs> I so my husband Matt has a couple of shirts that are snap buttons, mm-hmm. and it's literally my favorite thing to I do. Rip them off to, is to just rip it because mm-hmm. I just oh, it makes me feel primal, and I'm not destroying his clothes. <laughs> Which is so great. <laughs> That's wonderful. I like <laughs> it's how a neat freak gets really nasty. Yeah, I love it. I just let me put it this way: if we had enough money that we could still donate to a lot to charities, and we could afford cheaper white shirts mm-hmm. or other shirts or colored full shirts, You'd whatever, just be ripping his clothes off. I would all the time. literally just rip his clothes off every day. You just need to get him stripper gear. That's all. Oh God! If you know Velcro where I can find answer. stripper de- gear, please at me. You're such a doer. You could just redo all his clothes one time, and then you can rip them off all the time. With what time Velcro. do I have? Oh, after the show, okay. obviously. After the movie is finished, I'll be in post. Well, yeah, and after writing that the next too. film. Well, okay. Look, it's not my job to find time for you <laughs> to cut all of your husband's clothes in half. And then re-sew them together using Velcro. Okay, that is a personal project do of you yours. Ever, do you ever have, like, underwear that gets so old that it has, like, a hole in it, and then you just have fun and rip it off? Yes. Yes. It's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking... <laughs> Speaking of good times, well, rather, actually, speaking of good ideas, I need to share with you okay. the, probably the best idea I've ever had. Uh, I went shopping the other day. Okay. Okay. And I don't know how I got to almost 40 years old with never doing this, but I went shopping the other day, and I had a shopping list. Okay. Right? But what I did was I just saved that list, and now it's my perennial shopping list. So every time I go to the store, instead of looking at a shopping list for that time I go to the store, I can just look at the perennial shopping list and say, do we have all of these things that we always need? That's great. And then I can just... If I'm getting some specific thing for whatever, I can get that. But plus, I will check in and see if we have all the things that we always need. I love it. And now, I'm like, I have hacked shopping completely. Yeah. And it's the best idea I ever had. Is it a special app? No, it's a note that I put in my phone. Oh. Yeah. Things like, you know, all the, the coffee creamer. Do we have enough? Like, do I have this and that? Like, all the stuff we use what all it, the time. Is it just coffee creamer on your list? Well, so far... <laughs> But I can add things to them as things become important to me. But so far, I'm nearly 40, and the only thing that's important to me is coffee creamer. Well, I, I mean... Well, I've, I've actually instituted a whole other uh, section, dry goods. Okay. So coffee creamer and toilet paper is Those what I have on here so far. Those are the two most important things, I'm pretty sure, in life. Yeah. Well, toilet pa- no joke, toilet paper is really important. <laughs> There's been definitely days where Matt and I have not realized we needed to get more toilet paper after sure. a grocery run, and we've gotten home, and we've been like, okay... You get one poop today. 
<laughs> and if you know me, that's really hard. <laughs> well, I, I now I know you too well. Yeah. Uh, now our audience knows me too well. Yes, I'm agreed. very regular. <laughs> I eat a lot of fiber. That's, congratulations. It's good. Well, with the perennial shopping list, trademark Kevin Held, you <laughs> never have to go through that again. I, that I was the best idea I ever had. That. So uh, shall we jump to the uh, bright spot? Give me the bright spot. All right. Now, before we get into the show today, we're going to talk about something good that is going on in the news this week. Okay. And what's uh, what I've got for us this week is the culmination of a mission that was supposed to end in 2004. Oh. The Mars Opportunity rover has concluded its mission. It is officially dead on the surface of Mars. But the reason it's the bright spot was that it was supposed to last for 90 days, and then it lasted for 15 years. Wait, how did that work? Well, they just made it really well, and they piloted it really well, and it just lasted far fucking longer than they expected it to. Wow. And so a mission that was supposed to give us three months' worth of information and photos of Mars has been doing it for 15 years. And that is it's wild. over now. But it's an incredible testament to the uh, construction, to the the uh, JPL, to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory that was piloting it yeah. and taking care of it at Caltech. And uh, it's I love all the space stuff. You know, I really do. I grew you know I grew up in Houston, and it was all about space and stuff. Yeah. And opportunity that rover and its twin spirit which lasted until 2010 and that itself was far far longer than it was expected but then this one went nine more years that's great it i mean think about all the cool information we got and all the the science and data yeah that they could use over exactly. that time to help with future with future missions and analysis of the soil that it was it was looking at and and just I and so I, I just send appreciation to the teams at NASA and JPL that uh, built it and launched it and took care of it. Thank you, NASA. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well That's a done, great bright spot. I like it, too. Uh, so that was a nice thing. Tell me about something that is not nice. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. What you got, I don't Jason think you're T. Ready Gaffney? For this. No, I'm definitely not ready for you, this. No, no one's ready for Given this. Given the uh, sly look on your face. The KKK. Oh, God. <laughs> I was not ready for that. I was not ready for that. The uh, Lumpy Natives. The Lumpy Natives? Lumpy. Okay. Not Lumpy. Well, I heard Lumpy. <laughs> Lumpy Natives. I mean, okay. 1958. Okay. Have you figured it out? It has to do with the South. I mean, if you're talking about Alabama, a lot of those people are Lumpy. So no, no. I thought that's what you were saying. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> We're going to talk about the famous Battle of Hayes Pond. Okay. How would I have figured that out? This is How oh, much of okay. a deep dive do you think I've taken into Here's this the stuff? deal. If you knew anything about this, you would know everything about this. Great. <laughs> well, that clearly shows I know nothing about this. So tell, right. me, tell me about this, and so, then at the end of this, I'll know things about this. All right. Let's do a brief history before we get to the battle. Okay. Shall we? Tell me. Daddy. America was ripped away from the Native Americans who lived here long before we got here. True. Right? Well, I mean, not ripped away. We gave them trinkets and beads and things. And then we killed them with smallpox and other things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we kind of st stole. I'm just saying, there's like, don't don't say that there was like no transaction. <laughs> they got things, trinkets and disease. Yeah. All right. Well, in doing so. <laughs> 
the white people also brought over a lot of slaves, right? Sure. And then we had a civil war, and the slave owners lost, and the slaves were set free. This is the uh, broad strokes history. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to the civil war and slave ownership and how awful it was. No, I think and that's it. even though the slaves were set free, there were still a lot of, like, Jim Crow laws that, and, you know, segregation that kept things bad for a long time. Okay. But we don't have – that's not the bulk of this what story. what we're talking about. Right. So racism We're would still context here. Yeah. Okay. Racism would still have a strong hold on large portions of the white community for years to come. Yeah. Including today. Yeah, and, unfortunately. and for many more years after today. Yeah. In yeah, fact, we say this on the same week that the fucking governor of Virginia Yes, God. Or the same month that the governor of Virginia has admitted to either being the guy in blackface or the guy under the KKK hood in an old photograph, but he can't remember which one he is. Exactly. Okay. So the racism in the white community would lead to the creation of a terror organization called the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. Or as it's commonly referred to as the KKK to oppress black people or basically anyone who isn't straight and white. Okay. That's their deal. Okay. KKK. If you're straight and white, you're great. If you're not, go die. That's their. Oh, okay. Their, I thought you were doing a little commentary. No, that's your. No, you're talking. That's their perspective. That's their perspective. I that's understand. not my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before long, we're going to arrive at 1954 when SCOTUS struck down the segregation in schools during its historic ruling in Brown versus Board of Education. Okay. And because the civil rights movement was winning, the racists freaked out mm-hmm. and started to gain members out of fear. I see. This also would happen again later in history when Barack Obama would win his presidency. Sure. The membership K- in the KKK grew again. Yes. Because white people are dumb. Well, also, like, gun sales go up after mass shootings. Right. Which is insane. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting... It's, it's, it is. It's crazy. Uh, but it's interesting to see how fear drives behavior. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you're caught up to the time frame I need you to be. Great. Fantastic. All right. Terrific. So let's meet the villain of our story, shall we? We haven't yet. We're about We've to. We've been talking about the KKK. Well, no? they're a sub-villain okay. of the story. Is it SCOTUS? No, it's not SCOTUS. <laughs> not this time. Um, so let's meet the villain. His mm-hmm. name is James W. Catfish. Cole. Oh. He got a little nickname. The original catfisher. Yeah. Sure. He was born. He was posing as a 17-year-old girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I'm sorry. So he was born, and then he quickly became a racist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for the distinction that he was not born a racist. I think that's what I'm reading into that. Yeah. Yeah. No one is. No one inherently is born racist, but he came from a racist family and is a racist. Tell me his name again, please. James W. Catfish Cole. Okay. I like to do a little head bobble when I say catfish. It really plays on the radio. Catfish. Yeah. (laughs) Stop doing it. I'm doing it for me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Practicing self-care during this episode. (laughs) It's going to be important. (laughs) You Uh, know what we're talking about. I am completely And you're going to need a lot of (laughs) self-care. Crap. So after he served in the military during World War II, Mm -hmm. he would come home and drive a taxi. During his taxi days was when he gained his esteemed nickname, Catfish. Really? Yeah. Why he would pose as a taxi driver and then, <laughs> like... And then kick people in the shit. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know why he would name Just Catfish. Just kidding. I really work for Uber Eats. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, Uber did bad things too. We'll talk about them later. All right. Eventually, Catfish would go to Southern Bible College in 1953. Oh, good. He's getting an education. Good. Yeah. And he would meet his his future wife, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Before long, he would become not only a racist, but a... But a father. (laughs) (laughs) But a man of the cloth... Thanks to the Wayside Baptist Church. Oh dear! He would go around in a tent, preaching evangelism. He would, he would go around in the tent. Yeah, <laughs> and wrap the tent around himself. <laughs> he didn't have much money, but he could afford a tent, and he wrapped he himself would, up. It was a small tent. He would pick it up, and yeah. he would move around. <laughs> he was what's known as a tent preacher. <laughs> um, he would preach one on one. If you could fit into the tent, he would preach to you. Oh God! You're not wearing any clothing. Of course not. All I could afford was a tent. You would walk into the tent, and he'd be in the Burt Reynolds playgirl pose. Yes. <laughs> oh, nobody wanted to see him as no. that. <sighs> Just anyway, a catfish covering his junk. Yeah. That's where he got his name. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also had a radio show called, quote, The Free Will Hour on Sundays. Oh, dear. Yeah. He was also becoming a star pupil of the KKK at this time. Cool. And because of his racist, bigoted devotion, he would soon become Grand Dragon of both North and South Carolina. North and South Carolina. Both Carolinas were like, ooh, you real racist. Can we have you lead us? (laughs) Ooh. I I, I couldn't choose between the Carolinas, so I took all of them. Yes. I I like twins. Ew. (laughs) Ew. Don't ever say that. <laughs> it's so weird. Twin porn is the weirdest fucking thing. It is such a turnoff <laughs> to me. I'm like, no, one's fine. Thank you. I don't need to see you in stereo. Okay. <laughs> All right, but don't knock other people's fetishes. No, if that's... I mean, but there, there's incest there. Like, if you're banging both at the same time, isn't that, like, incest Yeah, but most twin porn is just made up. Okay. You know. It's weird fantasy. and creepy. It's fantasy. All right. Anyway, enough about twin porn. <laughs> If you're into it, great. Good for you. Great. Terrific. So it was kind of ironic that he was all about free will with his radio show, right? Sure. But he belonged to a group that was all like, wait a minute, you. You're not white or straight. Mm-hmm. No free will for you. You're right. They are They are a terrorist organization. That wants, that wants only to their kill. Way. That actually has actively engaged in killing the uh, African Americans and therefore taking away their free will. Exactly. Yes. Very true. Very true. So up until this point... The KKK's strength in the Carolinas was somewhat pathetic. Okay. But then Catfish showed up and he's like, I'm going to fix this for you. I'm going to make you real strong. Definitely not rooting for him. No. Mm -hmm. Using hate speech, he was basically building up in popularity with bigoted people. Okay. Great. And eventually he was holding rallies that were 15,000 racists strong. I just want to point out, I'm going to call out the racists every time I can this episode. Please do. Buckle in, people. It's going to be a bumpy night. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, Catfish's message to the rallies was basically, black people suck and we should rough them up. Mm -hmm. Then white men would get into cars and caravan around looking for black people to scare and harass Mm -hmm. after his rallies. So Mm -hmm. it's like, come to a rally where we say racist things and then let's go find people who are marginalized and let's terrorize them yeah because build the wall 
Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. It should be noted for our listeners that there were a fair amount of police involved with these caravans. Well, I have no doubt of that. They claimed it was to help keep the KKK in check. Mm-hmm. I call bullshit. Yeah, but, if they if they allowed them to harass black people, sure. Right. No, they had sympathy toward them. One such man that they planned to harass after one of his rallies was a doctor named Albert Perry, mm-hmm. who lived in Monroe City, North Carolina. Okay. He was a target because he was giving a lot of money to his local chapter of the NAACP. Okay. Is he he African-American as well? Yes. Okay. He was on the KKK's target list for a long time and received a ton of death threats. Yeah. Well, the president of the local chapter of the NAACP, Robert F. Williams, was like, we need to keep Dr. Perry safe, not just because he's funding us and helping promote well-being for our community, but also also because he's a doctor and he's a good person and he's, you know, all people should be able to express what they want without being killed. Because they're actually about free will. Right. So Robert F. Williams played his cards really smartly and he set up a black armed guard, which consisted of black World War II vets. Oh. He also went to the NRA and asked for their group to become a charter and uh-huh. deliberately didn't tell the NRA that they were black. Whoa. And the NRA was like, of course, here you go. You like guns? We like you. Yeah. Great. Wow. Here you go. Okay. So they now had a charter, so they were allowed to be a militia in that area. Okay. And regulated and all that stuff in the group. So once they had everything in place, they then set up a defense perimeter around Dr. Perry's house. Okay. And they all took turns keeping him and his home safe. This is fucking smart. Isn't it great? Use the trappings of the white society that is pitted against you, against itself. Yep. This is very good. Robert Williams would later be quoted saying, quote, We started to really getting organized and setting up, digging foxholes and started getting up ammunition and training guys. Whoa. In fact, we had started building our own <laughs> rifle range uh-huh. and we got our own M1s and our, <laughs> and our own Mausers and German semi-automatic rifles and steel helmets. We had everything. Jesus. They literally set up a full-on fucking fort at yeah. this guy's house. <laughs> So soon enough, Catfish was in Dr. Perry's area and decided it was time for his motorcade to pay him a visit. Okay. But they didn't know about the well-trained militia that was waiting for them. Wow. So the clan showed up and they fired some shots at the house because they assumed, like, this is what we do. We go there. We fire some shots. If someone ends up dead, we don't care. And it's just, it keeps people in their place. You know, it's just another Tuesday. Yeah. Sure. However... The brave men waiting for them opened fire back on them. Yes. They started disabling the cars and brought the motorcade to a halt. (laughs) The clan then freaked the fuck out and ran with their tails between their legs. Yeah, because they had shown up to a gunfight with knives. Right. Sure. And and the other thing is that they're cowards who depend on people not standing up and fighting back. 100%. So here's something amazing, though. Okay. No one was killed during the volley of bullets. Okay. Which is... Amazing. Well, I think it shows a lot of restraint on the part of the militia. Right. They were the, trained, but they were restrained. They were restrained, but if you they think about They shot the cars. Yeah. They they wanted to disable the motorcade, and they yeah. did it. I don't think it's... All I'm saying is that it's not a nice thing that happened. I think it's a conscious choice. It was a strategy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, they we're not... We are going to defend ourselves, but we're not going to start killing 
KKK members because we know that at we'll... random because we know where that goes. Right. So it shows remarkable level of restraint, but still defense, especially if you consider how they must actually have felt about these people. Well, and the fact that the KKK was shooting at them. Well, true. So it's like you got could, someone there's shooting a way at them. to justify that for right. sure. Yeah. So the following day, the Monroe City Council had a special meeting about this and banned KKK motorcades from happening ever again. Hello. They're like, we can't do this. We can't have shootouts um, happening. Excuse me. We had to have a city council vote to ban the KKK? Like, th- this is exactly what we're talking about in so many of our episodes. Is like, like, legislation like that comes because, like... You just can't trust the horrible people not to be horrible. Right. So when they do, you have to get together as a society and say that's unacceptable. Exactly. So well done, Monroe City Council. Very sad that you had to actually have a meeting to say, actually, let's not have the KKK come in. Yeah. Jesus. This news became public knowledge, and it was apparent that the KKK had lost to the NAACP. Nice. In the war of the acronyms, the longer acronym shall win. Yes. <laughs> well, basically, Catfish and the KKK were humiliated and shamed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and if, if we learn anything about Catfish is that he's a stubborn man who doesn't like to lose. I think we will learn this. And uh, so because he, you know, was a white man that didn't get his way, he uh-huh. threw a fit. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> yeah. He then opted to look for another demographic in the area that he could terrorize because clearly this particular black community had stood up and said no more. And as I mentioned before, he was a coward who relied on his victims to not stand up in order for him to be a bully. I wish he would just go somewhere else. Like hell. Yes. Yes, hell. (laughs) So he decided to cast his eyes over to a group of Native Americans called the Lumbee. Okay. So from the get-go, they had been somewhat of a group of outcasts because they didn't really look the way that racists believe Native Americans should look. Oh, They were so. um, basically labeled as mixed-race people and treated similar, similarly to that of the black community. I see. All the descriptions and, and stuff from people who are part of the Lumbee tribe, etc., and all the descriptions talk about how they were... Uh, a lot of them could pass for white back then. I see. If you didn't know that they were part of the Lumbee tribe. Okay. And because of that, they weren't even recognized as an official native tribe by the feds until 1956. Okay. They were recognized okay. by North Carolina where they lived back then in 1885, but the I feds see. just couldn't keep up. They okay. were like, they were like, ah, I understand. Uh, let me, I know, I, we already have Cherokee. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So many. So it should be noted that the Lumbee Act, which recognized them as a tribe by the federal government, still excluded them from receiving any sort of help from the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Well, uh- so they're like recognized what? now, but they don't get any help. What? How do you justify that? I don't and know. And while it's... we're on the subject, how on earth, like, even if I could extend logic to the KKK so far as to say we should eliminate this nation of black people who were brought here right. and should go back again, how do you extend that to the native population? How on earth do you say that America is for white immigrants and not Native Americans. How on earth do you get to make that logical leap? Manifest destiny, bro. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're terrible people. The federal government is wrong. The KKK is wrong. Yes. I'm right. So, okay, but here's the deal. Because they were getting any sort of recognition as humans, because this happened right around this time, Mm -hmm. Catfish was incensed. Yeah, we can't have that. 
In fact, he is quoted saying that they were a, quote, mongrel race and announcing to its devoted bigots, quote, there's about 30,000 half-breeds in Robeson County and we are going to have a cross-burning and scare them up. <sighs> this guy is like literally the... He's the fucking worst. He is the poster child for a bigot. Yeah. He's just... You want to look up the word bigot? He should be right there. Gotcha. So on January 13th, 1958... Mm-hmm. The KKK assholes decided it was a good idea to burn a cross on the lawn of a woman who was Lumbee mm-hmm. because she was in a relationship with a white man and that was not okay with them. Right. Catfish heard this news and was excited that his influence was working. Oh, it's so nice to see when you've planted the seeds and you just watch them grow. Yeah. <laughs> So, because he was feeling emboldened... Yeah, he had a father's pride. Yeah, because he was feeling emboldened, he then gave a hate speech where he warned that Lumbee women were basically whores with no morals and were filled with STIs, and that if white people went out with them, they could become low-moral whores themselves with STIs as well. Uh And I'm like, all right, I need you to simmer down now, Yeah, because everything you're saying is a lie. Well... And, yeah, it was... He... So anyway, I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I can't even respond because like there's nothing right about it. Right. He has all. no, yeah. So the following day, because of that new speech, the KKK went to a bar that the Lumbee men often went to and burned a cross. Mm-hmm. Catfish would follow up with the statement that Lumbee men were quote, lazy, drunken, and prone to criminal activity. Sound familiar? Yes, it does sound familiar. Gosh, who am I thinking of? Yeah, seems like there's a guy uh, somebody, out there who's a similar to Catfish. Who often talks about populations as without lazy any and criminal stats or truth, not actually having right statistics to back it. Who am I thinking of? Uh, it, oh, it's Trump. Oh, <laughs> oh, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> so then, right after the Lumbee bar cross burning. Mm-hmm. They went to a family's home and burned a cross on their lawn because they were lumpy and the neighborhood was mostly white. Mm-hmm. And he thought that they should know better about moving into the same place as whites. Okay. He's like, we're going to show them for finding a home that's good for them and that is fine with everyone else. Oh, God. So he wasn't... Uh, yeah, the, the he's such a proponent of free will. Oh, yeah. No, he is a dickbag. At this point, he wasn't getting much pushback from this particular group of people mm-hmm. because they had Just never... the way he likes it. Well, and they, they'd never really been the target of the KKK the same way that the black community had been. Mm-hmm. So the Lumbee community is like, what the fuck is happening? We've never been targeted before this way. Mm-hmm. This is weird. So Catfish was feeling sharp, and he was feeling like he's king of the world again. He's like, I am Grand Dragon, bitches. Bow down before my weird pointy hood. Mm-hmm. You know, he was never king of the world, just to be clear. But Oh, thank you. You know, idiots often think they're better than they actually are. <laughs> so he because of all this good news in his book, mm-hmm. was feeling antsy for a rally. Good. So he decided... I mean, based on the tone of voice you've got going, I mean, I think, feel like that's good for us and bad for everyone who was involved in it there. Yeah. Okay. He decided to plan a super large rally for mm-hmm. the KKK with 5,000 bigots mm-hmm. to join him at Hayes Pond on land that a racist farmer said he could use near the town that the Lumbee lived to show the Lumbee tribe, quote, their place in the racial order. That was his, like, slogan about the rally. And then Beto O'Rourke showed had up. an even larger rally yes. down the way. Oh, my God. If Beto O'Rourke had shown up then, I would have <laughs> fucking wet dream. <laughs> uh, anyway, 
It was planned for January 18, 1958. Okay. At this time, Catfish was living in South Carolina and was not really familiar with this area and the Lumbee tribe, like okay. where they lived. So the sheriff of Robeson County, mm-hmm. Malcolm McLeod, drove down to Catfish and told him that he was making a mistake by holding this rally. Oh. He's like, don't do Cause, this. Because you're in the KKK and we hate you. And the, That's not why the mistake was, though, was it? No. no. He basically warned him that his life would be in danger and that he didn't know, uh, basically, who the Lumbee were. And don't how... bother. Yeah. Like, if that's the question, if if, if your situation is that a, a, the KKK Grand Dragon is putting his life in danger, just don't say anything. Right. I, yeah, I mean... That's going to be my MO. Well, I think that the sheriff was like, I don't want this to happen. It's going to be a lot of yeah, drama. Yeah, paperwork for me. Yeah. And and he, I believe this sheriff like was not the worst in the world. Maybe not. But he is going to the KKK Grand Dragon to warn him to be safe. Right. So Yeah. He wasn't, he's not flawless. He's not perfect. But uh, so Catfish in all of his arrogance would reply, quote, it sounds like you don't know how to handle your people. I am a dragon. <laughs> We're going to come show you. I breathe fire. <laughs> I sit on a mountain of gold. Yeah. I'll be fine. I have multiple eyelids. <laughs> because I'm a reptile. <laughs> I'm a dragon. Let them do anything they want. I have so many eyelids. Yeah, they won't puncture my eyeballs. That's hilarious. Okay. So the sheriff's words fell on deaf ears, mm-hmm. or I should say fucking dumbass ears. Sure. And Catfish was like, rally's going to happen. Yeah. So he started stuffing flyers for the rally into envelopes and sending them to the locals. Mm-hmm. And and for several days, he would drive around the area before the rally was supposed to take place in his flatbed truck with a giant loudspeaker. Of course. Basically preaching his hate and trying to drum up interest in this hate party. Okay. And he did that along with a bunch of caravans to show the Lumbee that he was here and that he meant business. Okay. Now, unlike his spontaneous cross-burning acts of terror that he had done beforehand, this rally was planned. And it was being promoted in a real assholeish way, right? Like with, uh, from a truck with a loudspeaker? Yeah, he's like going around the neighborhood yeah. being like, hear ye, hear ye, yeah. God has told me to tell you that you're inferior to me, even though I probably can't walk up a flight of stairs without <laughs> holding someone's hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. anyway, yeah. I don't know who I'm talking about. I, yeah. So the other bonus was that he stupidly went into predominantly Lumbee neighborhoods to announce the rally. Well, he's stupid. Granted. Like, we knew that when he couldn't even walk through a door without just dropping the umbrella. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing that he thought by going through these neighborhoods, he might scare them and inspire the bigots in the area or... Or whatever. Either way. No, he probably didn't even fucking know where he was. Right. Like you said, he wasn't familiar with the area. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't go to the neighborhood of the people you're trying to scare and say, say, hey, we're going to hold a rally to scare these people. Yeah. (laughs) He's a fucking moron is the the thing. The best part is all he did was just piss the fuck out of the Lumbee people. They were just like. He's a fucking moron. The Lumbee basically decided that they were not going to let this rally take place on their land and in their community. Well, good. They decided, like the men from the the NAACP, Mm -hmm. that they were going to take a stand at this rally. Okay. 
In fact, the local newspaper, the Fayetteville Observer, mm-hmm. found out about the fact that the Lumbee were going to come and take a stand, and they reported it. Okay. And they're like, just so everyone knows, this is going to go down. It won't go unnoticed or unanswered. Right. Okay. Neil Lowry and Sanford Locklear were two of the leaders of the Lumbee tribe, and they started putting out the word to other local Lumbee members. And basically, everyone was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. Okay. We're going to do this. Like, yeah. th- this guy's pissing us off with these right. occasional cross burnings. The KKK is coming, and we're not going to just stand there and do nothing. Yeah, we're not going to roll over. Yeah. So Willie Lowry, who I believe was a sibling or family member to Neil, I couldn't confirm that, but they have the same last name and same I would spelling, assume, sure. Uh, had a barber shop in town. Okay. And that quickly became became the headquarters for the Lumbee and the strategy room. Cool. The paper reported... I like a war room in a barbershop. They've got, you know, they've know. already got the scissors. I know, yeah. So the, the Fayetteville Observer reported that a thousand Lumbee people were signing up for the call. Yes. Another member of the resistance was Simeon Oxendine. Okay. He was also a World War II vet and was a waste gunner on a B-17. Okay. So he knew his shit and well, he was sure. able to train people. Oh, I see. Basically, because of all this news, all the local racists were like, oh, shit, I better not go. You're kidding. They were like, this is scary to me that, like, we know the Lumbee people. I only they... show up to rallies when I know we're the only people going to be there with guns and madness. Yes. But. I don't want to go if there's going to be other people who have a different opinion than me. Exactly. And might also have access to weaponry. Exactly. No, thank you, sir. <laughs> But Catfish and its followers from South Carolina didn't know that this was the case. Right. They don't read. Right. So much. So basically, Catfish shows up with his wife, Carolyn, to the rally oh, site. Oh, good. Bring your fucking wife. Yeah. He shows up to the rally site on the private uh, field near Hayes Pond. Mm-hmm. And uh, with them was a less than ideal showing of people. <laughs> Only around 50 KKK members had shown up with their families. Oh. They, and with their families. With their families. Cool. It's not a fucking cookout. It's yeah. a KKK rally. <laughs> God damn. So the men would leave their women and their kids, if they had the kids with them, in the cars and went over to the flatbed that uh, Catfish had set up, uh-huh. which was, by the way, pathetic, with only one floodlight and a giant cross to burn. Okay. So like, there's one floodlight in this field that was supposed to be for 5,000 people. Oh, my 50 God. 50 people showed up. One cross, one floodlight. Right. I mean, it's fun to make fun of that and everything, but oh, it's still fucking it's assholes. still terrifying, yeah. and it's still like it's fifty, fifty too many, right, showing up for a rally of hate. God. They played at full volume on the giant loudspeaker the song "Quote Kneel at the Cross," okay. um, and walked around with their white ro- hoods on and robes on and held rifles and paraded around like pigeons who don't know that they're about to be run over. Uh huh. And the the wife is like, I want to take a... Hold it there, sweetie. Yeah. Okay, do a fun one. Put Billy on your shoulders. <laughs> no, no, your hood's in the way. No, no. Billy's tiny. No. No. You're... God damn it. God damn it, James. Why can't you just do one fucking good photo? That's... Yep, yeah, that's right. I know. I'll go sit in the car. That's fine. Wow. <laughs> she melted down. <laughs> <laughs> She's been under a lot of stress. They've been planning a rally. Right. Do you have any idea how much bleach she has gone through? (laughs) So, all right. One of the members of the Lumbee tribe who was present that day, Little Turtle, would be quoted later saying, quote, 
they were talking about blacks, using the N-word a lot, calling us half-ends. Hmm. I think their intimidation, their intention was to intimidate us. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you got it. Catfish also used this time to preach about how interracial marriages were evil. Okay. So he's like, we don't want interracial marriages because we're supposed to be pure or whatever. I don't know. Sure. No, you've distilled the message pretty yeah. well, I'd say. So... Now, the KKK were arrogant, as I mentioned, and they all assumed that they, at 50 strong, were super scary, yeah. and that all the Lumbee people were at home afraid of them. Yeah. But- Are they wrong? Instead- Wait, the KKK is wrong about something? Right? So, instead, the Lumbee tribe had set up a camp a mile from them and were getting ready to shut their shit down. Mm-hmm. 500 people- Hello. Slowly and quietly circled around the KKK rally. Yes. They waited until the Kneel at the Cross song was complete, and then Sanford Locklear, one of the leaders I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, went over to Catfish, walked right up to him, and told him to pack up and go home. Yeah. Catfish, being the racist that he was, mm-hmm. wasn't accustomed to having people who weren't white telling him what to do. Yeah. So he argued with Sanford. And before long, they were shoving each other back and forth. Okay. <laughs> they got into a, push, a pushing match. I just, yeah. And his hood was bobbing. And yeah. It was awful. That's when Neil Lowry, the other leader I mentioned, yeah. took out his shotgun and aimed it at the floodlight and shot out the light. Fuck. From his hip. Okay. Pitch Black fell over the rally field, and the Lumbee stormed the field. Yes. They fired their weapons into the air Fucking and yes. shouted and screamed and did lots of scary, like, made lots of scary noises. Who's fucking terrified now? Right. The KKK members cracked and retreated as yeah. fast as their pathetic feet could carry them. Yeah, it's so hard to run in a dress. Yeah. Is the thing. They threw down their guns and headed to their cars. Some of them ripped off their robes and abandoned them so they could run faster. The Lumbee surrounded the cars and used flashlights to blind the KKK men and expose who they were. Oh. Catfish, along with some other men, abandoned their wives and family entirely. Oh, what and, a surprise. And ran into a swamp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Where they lived happily ever after as crocodiles. Right. So Carolyn, worried that she was going to be ravaged because she, too, was a racist idiot, sure. started up her yeah, car. Yeah, because that's the point. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's. they're not just trying to get you away. They're going to rape you, too, obviously. Right. She uh, basically started up the car and sped away. Mm-hmm. She was so panicked. So that's nice, because that's nice that, like, both... Spouses abandoned each other. Yeah. That's nice. To well, see. and here's the best part. She was so panicked that she drove her car into a ditch. Oh, I... She's she, driving so fast that she can Did she try to drive into the swamp, maybe, to be with her husband? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think she should have done. Later, after the chaos ended, the Lumbee would help her push her car out of the ditch. That's the best part. I, yes. So, okay. Of course they did. Now, back to the chaos, because I, I just yeah, wanted sure. to... Yeah, sure. Once the shooting started, Sheriff McLeod who had warned Catfish about how bad of an idea this was, said to his fellow police it was go time. Well, here we go. Yep. He waited because he didn't want to be seen as protecting and siding with the KKK. Mm -hmm. He's like, they're not great. I don't want violence. Yeah. But, like, I also don't want to be accused of But we didn't see this coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He told his men to search the bushes and swamps for the KKK and to help them leave the county. He's basically like, go find the lost men. Get them out. Get them out of the county. That's that's such a hard position to be in. Right. Like, maybe not if you're a white sheriff in the South, but, like, 
But still, it's like you for know me, the, it would be hard. You to know, be these like, guys are dicks, and and yet it's it's still the idea of like be better than them. But exactly, you still don't want people killed in on your turf, like you. Yeah. And miraculously, again, no one died. Okay. Only a few KKK members suffered injuries. Uh, four from falling shotgun pellets. Uh, one from being punched in the face by a lumpy man through an open window of his car after he swore at the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the lumpy member basically went yeah. over and was like, "Yeah, you can swear at me in your car that can't move, and I'm just gonna punch you in the face." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my plan. What's yeah. your plan? You know, punch a Nazi. Yeah, true. I mean, isn't that the isn't that what Captain America taught us? Yes. So the lumpy then would collect up all the banners, robes, etc., from the the rally as war trophies. Sure. They then had their oh, no own bonfire. Well, oh hey, they then had their own caravan slash parade Yay. through town. Oh, terrific! And they used the robes as like flags, right? Yeah. And uh, they ended with a giant bonfire where ah. they burned the robes, etc. There we go. After all of this, Catfish and the KKK. I'm, I'm one with these. Uh, you know, I'm on a wavelength with these guys. So, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm with that. Yeah. Oh, they did. They I did. I think I've picked a side. Yeah. <laughs> I picked a side w- <laughs> once I heard KKK. I knew exactly that I wanted to be on anybody else's side. Okay, sure. Well, okay. Some of us get there faster. <laughs> Congrats. So after all of this, Catfish and the KKK would become a laughing stock, and everyone agreed that the Lumbee were wonderful for what they did. That's nice to see. Uh, Catfish... Yeah. Then, Not everybody, but sure. Well, obviously Catfish <laughs> didn't. Yeah. He actually responded to all this news by calling the Lumbee, quote, lawless mongrels, because he just never learns. Yeah. He's just like, they're lawless. And I'm like, you literally went to people's property, trespassed, and burned crosses. Yeah, but we had permits. Not to burn crosses on people's property. You can't even prove that was me. (laughs) You said it was you. You can't prove it. (laughs) So I don't know if I was in blackface or under the hood. I don't know. Exactly. Jesus. So Catfish also uh, called out the police for not helping them and protecting them. For basically doing their job. Which they fucking did. Yeah. First of all. Well, they they waited until it was t- a situation. Uh, sure, as they have to. Exactly. Like, what are they... W- but he was expecting them to help him oh, from to the get-go. Oh, to go to every Lumbee household and, like, make them stay at home or some crap? Yeah. He did not have the uh, public yeah, on his done. side. I'm done with, like, even responding to his arguments. I mean, every single one of them is going to be bullshit. Right. So let's just move past it. Well, this is the best part. North Carolina Governor Luther H. Hodges Mm -hmm. released a press statement condemning the KKK after this. Hey, nice job. Which was great. Then, because of all the press he was getting and the riot that happened, Catfish would be arrested and convicted for inciting the riot. Because he had been warned not to come, he had been told don't do this, and he still came and still caused the riot. Well, and he incited it. He did. just the thing he did. This is the best part. That was just finding a fact. None of the Lumbee would be arrested or charged for this incident. Good. Which, to me, is awesome, because back then... Definitely it, awesome. It could, I could see racist because police could, arresting mm-hmm. everyone and just being like, you're all going to jail, even you could though... see who fired the first shot. Like, right. you know, you guys rushed them, so it's right. your fault. Catfish would end up being sentenced to two years in jail. Mm-hmm. Not nearly enough. During his stay in jail, his racist wife, who, as we remember, was saved by the Lumbee after driving herself into a ditch, yeah. would try to crowdfund money for an appeal for her husband, mm-hmm. uh, and she did so by writing a public letter. She, she started a KK Kickstarter. <laughs> she <laughs> would write, quote, 
A group of kinky-haired so-called Indians invaded on leased land, shot up the segregation meeting with shotguns, rifles, and pistols, and stole my husband's speaking equipment. And she's like, "I love the that that's me. what she's upset about." Right, and I'm just, I want that loudspeaker back. Yeah. When the, the other thing that's just so like, they can't ever not say something awful about someone else. They always have to throw in that underhanded fucking racist yeah it's almost as if racists were sort of like bad people or something yeah (laughs) however catfish would not get out early after he was released he went around the nation from job to job still keeping with his racist self Mm -hmm. later in 1966 he tried to take over the kkk but failed and the organization banished him so he was so toxic that even the kkk said you're too much for us bye he he tried to stage a coo 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 exactly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is amazing, right? Yeah. They he would, banished him? They banished him. They're like, you can't How be a member. fucking awful do you have to be for the KKK to, to banish be like, you. we're done with you? Yeah. Jesus. You were Grand Dragon, and now you're banished. Yeah, that's crazy. He would be arrested one more time when he harassed a black preacher by holding a cross-burning rally, basically at his house, church house place. Okay. And finally- he a, just doesn't learn. No. Well, he's not even in the KKK anymore. I know. He's- but. I can still be racist. I don't need the KKK to you be racist. You can burn a cross anytime. Yeah. You don't have to be in the KKK for that. I Free got, will. I got God's permit. Mm-hmm. A year later, he would die from a car accident. That's so, so, so good. So the Lumbee, to this day, celebrate their victory of the anniversary of the Battle of Hayes Pond Yay. as a holiday. Oh, nice. Oh, I, I have a new favorite holiday. <laughs> what is the bright side? Hey, we came to the bright side. This is a nutty story. First, God. remember how we talked about how I, I don't have any favorite holidays? Now you do? This is my <laughs> favorite holiday. <laughs> any holiday ah. where the KKK gets their ass kicked is my new favorite holiday. Well, that's a huge bright side. I'm yeah. very glad that you could find, you could finally, you, the Ebenezer Scrooge of all holidays. I don't, I'm not a Scrooge. I'll oh, let it People be. Let it be. It's ha- true. You're just Ebenezer. Their holidays you just are. You just yeah, are. You're okay. a total miser when it comes to holidays. You're, you're a, a terrible, miser. terrible person when it comes to holidays. <laughs> you're defensive. Have finally found. You're the puppet. No puppet. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you have found a holiday that you can really get behind. I can get. I, the spirit of this holiday is great. That's right. I am all about it. Cool. Uh, okay, so the the first thing I came up with is that the marginalized communities stood up to catfish. Yeah, a lot of them like just said fuck Both you. Both of these. Uh, this is this is good because in two different situations in this story, he, he got his ass handed to him. The militia of the NAACP members and the Lumbee tribe, all they had they did was gather together and stand up to cowards, yep. really at heart, terrorist cowards. And those groups completely fold. Oh yeah, when they're met with any resistance at all. Oh totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, these groups just—they get all of their power from getting together in a big mass and then singling out people because and, you and, can't stand up to them individually. Right. And but picking once up you, on mm-hmm. an individual, and then you can. Yeah. But it, when when they're faced with another army, when they're met with resistance that matches their strength, they. Completely cave. Well, that's the other thing that I also love is that, like, all these white guys have their own guns and they're like, we're an army. But the mm-hmm. minute, like, another army that's trained shows up, they fucking run. Yeah. Because no, they're just not a bunch an of army. cowards and dresses yeah. running across the They're field, playing. Hiding your faces. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the second thing that I, that was kind of obvious to me was 
justice was served and he was thrown into obscurity. He yeah. was thrown into jail and he was thrown into obscurity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, he did a bad thing. And he didn't th- even get his amp back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, something else that I also really like is that, like, to this day, they get to be remembered as racists. They they are openly racist with their statements, mm-hmm. and I have no problem calling them out for that. And, I don't and think I feel they like had most any people... problem being recognized as that then. I right. Think. I mean, it's it's wild. Like it's just wild to me. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's 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 nice that there's that pretty much every publication I read called them out for being fucking asshole bigots. Well, that's good. That's you good. know and that's and that was good. Yeah. Um. You probably weren't reading Stormfront, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and most importantly, uh, you know, only the people who deserved to be arrested were arrested in both cases. True. Like it was the KKK who got arrested at the at the uh, the rally for inciting the, mm-hmm. the riots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was another KKK member who got arrested because he was drunk. And oh, they were okay. like, "Public drunkenness, you get arrested." <laughs> So and he's just like, I just came for the rally. What? You didn't even know. <laughs> what? This is the weirdest rally I've ever been to. When the guns went off, I thought we were celebrating. Yeah. Uh, now you're a good cop. <laughs> there's another bright side. Of course, there was no uh, death. Yes. There were no lives lost. Right. Even though sometimes, I know I've picked a side, sometimes yeah. I want some of these people to die, but nobody did. Well, and the thing is that because... These groups, because the NAACP and the Lumbee tribe strategized and planned it, they mm-hmm. were able to scare off these, these bullies without killing them. Yeah. Be- and that makes them more sympathetic. Because Which is even stronger, because they didn't have to resort to that kind of violence. Right. All they had to do was show some strength. Exactly. And they just, the group just completely folded and ran. Exactly. I love that they left their fucking robes behind and dropped their guns and ran for their families. Right. Yeah. Well, and some of them didn't even go back to their families. They just abandoned the swamp, their families. Like, the swamp is better for us. Yeah. And it's, it's, when I hear these kind of stories, I always feel a little more hopeful because, mm-hmm. like, we always forget to bring up these stories when we talk about these terrorist groups. That's we hear true. that, we hear about when they are terrible and win. Yeah. But we never hear about the, that, many times that they're shut down. And there's yeah. actually a couple more uh, on the books that right. I've stumbled upon Good. that I hope to bring up in the future. So we'll have a, yeah. a KK Chronicle of their <laughs> failures. Okay. Um, and, uh, but yeah, you know, it's like, it. I like it when the bully loses. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's important in these times too, because, and that's part of the impetus of why we even created this program was that there's so much bad news and we can focus on that but we can also say, look, history is so much bigger than this moment. Right. And there's so much more in it where you can say, here's another moment in history where the context was similar, where you have a group of awful people and a group of people who are being tormented, you know? And what happened then? And we can take lessons from history right. in saying, how do we deal with it now? Exactly. And I think the answer that we're coming to today is organization and uh, strength. Like right. just resistance. Yeah. Organization and resistance. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. guns. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, well, that's fun. Hey, hey, we can all take our own messages. No, no, <laughs> no guns. <laughs> well, you got anything else? No. Thank you to all the, the brave men and women who stood up to the KKK. No shit. Every single one of you. Yep. The is... Lumbee tribe and the, uh, <laughs> the uh, militia in Monroe. You're the heroes of this story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, thanks for uh, bringing this topic to our attention, Jason. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please keep listening, keep rating and reviewing, and uh, have a wonderful week. And may it be filled with only bright spots for you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hi. Um, I'm real sorry about calling y'all the N-word. Could you help me get my car out of the ditch real quick? <laughs> We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at BrightsideKNJ, and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on the, the Bright, bright Side! side.